How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. So the Yamamoto sweepstakes is currently red hot. The stove is hot. The patties are on. The dogs are on. Dodgers are on. The Mets, the Yankees. This is a close race, my friends. This is going to come down to what feels like the wire. You know, we're seeing reports now that the Yankees and Dodgers are co-favorites to land Yamamoto. Now, we know that the Dodgers whipped out all the stops. They brought in Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Shohei Otani to tell Yamamoto, hey, man, we're going to win. We got money, and it's perfect weather every day in, in sunny Los Angeles. And the Yankees went out and said, you know, maybe cold over there, but we can give you international recognition. We can give you the spotlight. We can give you everything you've dreamed about since you were a kid pitching. Um, and, and that's really the reality of what the Yankees have to offer is legacy. Um, no one's going to remember him as a Dodger. Everyone will remember him as a Yankee. And I think that's ultimately what I'd be trying to sell if I was uh, Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner. Now, Steve Cohen's in it, like preferably – you know, Yamamoto kind of rules them out in a, in a perfect world, but I think that the money certainly goes a long way, and they can say to, to him, look, we got Kodai Senga, we can really make this team an international image, and we can build that around you two. Um, and ultimately, like, that's not a bad strategy, it's not a bad uh, offer, but it's not the best offer, and I think that if you're going to go to New York, you're going to go play for the Yankees. If the money's the same, you go play for the Yankees. Let's be honest here. I know Mets fans want to disagree and they want to argue otherwise, but I think most people uh, would say that even from a third-party place, even from another team would say, if you have to choose between the two, why are you going to the Mets over the Yankees? Um, I think that's – especially because the Yankees are trying to win a World Series now. The moves they've made indicate that. But here's the thing. If the Yankees do miss out on Yamamoto – they need to have other options. We need to talk about their alternatives. We need to talk about worst-case scenario because I think it's important, and I think it's worthwhile, and I think, Ryan, you agree. So we're going to talk about three pitchers here who you know, really are just tremendous talents, like really great players, could help this rotation significantly. One of them's a little bit more unrealistic than other two could happen. One of them, Two of them are trade opportunities. Another one is obviously a free agent, a familiar face that we all uh, know very, very well. So, Ryan, before we dive into these three pitchers and exactly what the Yankees can do here if they do miss out on Yoshinobu, which would be devastating in my opinion. You know, how are you doing today, my friend? Yeah, no, I'm doing well. And, you know, as you kind of alluded to uh, to start the episode, you know, the Yankees are still very much in the Yamamoto sweepstakes. This is not an episode of us conceding that Yamamoto is going to go elsewhere. But yeah, it is a conversation to be had about, hey, if the Yankees do not land Yoshinobu Yamamoto, what should they do, right? Like, where's the pivot point? What do they try to do? Um, and, you know, we tried to, to put together three starters that we think could at least, you know, I don't think any of these three starters would be considered, you know, significantly better than Yamamoto. I think really only one of them would be considered, you know, of the echelon or better than Yamamoto, but definitely still guys who make imp improvements on your rotation. And obviously the biggest name that could be dealt uh, is Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns obviously won, uh, you know, the 2000s, he, he was competing for the 2000s, 2022 Cy Young. Uh, he had won the 2021 Cy Young. He has been one of the best pitchers in baseball since the 2020 season. Kind of took a, a step back this year. He had a 3.39 ERA, a 4.02 Sierra. Um, but he did lose some velocity. That is a little bit of a concern, but he still was really good, right? Like, you know, we're sitting here saying, all right, a guy who prevents runs 23% more than the league average or 23% better than the league average and also through 193 innings can be added to the Yankee rotation. That's huge, right? Like you pair that with Garrett Cole and you have one of the best number one, number two punches in the league. And you have two guys who are certified aces and are going to pitch for you the entire year, make 30 starts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this guy is going to be the most expensive option to get on the trade market. And he'll certainly have a lot of suitors. Now, the Brewers might not be dealing Burns because they might put themselves in a position where they're like, okay, let's try to compete for the first half. Let's see how good we are. And then kind of assess from there. 
that's certainly a fine strategy to make. If we're talking about just from pure baseball decision, I think that's the right move to make. Um, but, you know, they might be still be fielding offers. And, you know, do the Yankees and, and Brewers match up well in their trade? Kind of, right? Like, if you look at what the Brewers might be trading, right? Like, they might not have Willie Adamas. I imagine if they're willing to trade Burns, they'll be willing to trade Adamas. Um, you know, Peraza kind of slots in there as somebody who can be their long-term shortstop. He's at least a good defensive option. Um, and then you look at a guy, let's say, maybe like an Everson Pereira to kind of bolster their outfield. Or maybe you throw in a pitcher. Maybe you do throw in a Clark Schmidt, right? Like, let's say, all right, we're going to give you four years of Clark Schmidt and about five years of Oswald Peraza on top of maybe another blue chip, uh, another prospect. Maybe it's a lower chip guy, a guy with some upside that could become pretty uh, really good. I'm looking at one of those Florida Complex League uh, prospects and saying, you know, these guys have a lot of uh, upside. These guys can become better prospects in the future. Maybe throw those guys in the deal. But, uh, you know, Burns is certainly somebody that would entice the Yankees a lot, kind of checks off all the boxes. He is a rental, so you would have to consider paying him at the end of the season. And that's going to cost a lot of money. We're talking a contract north of $200 million. Um, but end of the day, I mean, Alex, in terms of how the teams match up, in terms of what the Yankees need, and in terms of what Burns brings, everything kind of fits. It's just a matter of how willing are the Yankees to trade away even more of their prospect depth after dealing away everything they've dealt for, you know, Soto, Verdugo, and Grisham. Look, I mean, look, you, you just can't continue to shred your farm system at that rate. And ultimately, you know, it, it's not realistic to consider, in my opinion at least, um, Corbin Burns in this equation just because, you know what, the, teams want pitching and the Yankees gave up a lot of it. We need Will Warren. We need Chase Hampton. We need uh, Clayton Beater to be productive players for us in the near term. And if you're going to leverage some of your bats – I just can't sit here and tell you that, like, getting rid of Spencer Jones right now, which may be a, t a player that they want, um, you know, I would leverage Everson Pereira, sure. You know, we have so many outfielders now, but again, Verdugo is on a one-year deal. Um, you know, Juan Soto's on a one-year deal. If they leave, you're going to need these young guys to take a step forward and, and help this team uh, perform. So, you know, it is what it is in that regard, but... I don't want to, like, risk it all. Like, this team is in a good spot. If you spend the money to get Yamamoto, you know, obviously that would be the preferable the preferable action. Spencer Jones is a – some Some are saying he can make his debut next year, guys. You know, some are saying he can make his debut in the MLB in 2024. If not, 2025 for sure. This dude, if he puts it all together – is going to be really freaking good, like tremendous. He can steal bags. He is fast. He's athletic. He's a great defensive player. And on top of that, he's a lefty with insane generational power. You know what I mean? This is a guy, if he gets that strikeout rate down, if he starts to see the ball a little bit better, if he starts to put it all together like Judge did coming through the minor league system, tweaks his fundamentals, really gets to that point where his eye, he's seeing the ball well, Spencer Jones is going to become a starter for us, and he's not going to let that job go for a very long time. So... I, I really think there, there are some prospects that you just invest heavily in. There's some prospects that you say, this guy is a part of our future, and I don't want to mess that up right now. I think Spencer Jones is one of those pieces. So, you know, another team in a trade like this is going to ask for a player of that magnitude. Corbin Burns is that freaking good. Um, and it's one year. Like, are we really – here's the thing. You have to be careful with this, Ryan. I think you would agree when it comes to trading pieces that are on expiring contracts or about to hit free agency, right? Corbin Burns, Verdugo, and Juan Soto. You now have three starting-level players, two of them elite in Corbin Burns and Juan Soto, who are going to be free agents next year. And if you don't win the World Series, you've now shredded your whole farm system, and you don't end up with the player, and you didn't win a World Series. That is a huge gamble to take. We've seen better teams lose. For example, the Dodgers, you know, they had a ridiculous team last year and got swept by the Diamondbacks. You know what I mean? This is what you have to be careful about. 
Um, if you don't make it to the ultimate goal, if you don't win the World Series and all half of your best players go to free agency and you lose some of them, you now are left with a minimal farm system that you shredded to get get it done. And you took a, a gamble that like not even the most addicted people at the freaking casino would take. You know, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't empty the pot on one opportunity on one year you know what i mean so that's my take on corbin burns i'd rather spend the money and look a lot of people are going to be disappointed about jordan montgomery but i'll throw in another name that that it's not even on this list how about blake snell if you're between jordan montgomery and blake snell who are you going to go after in that regard you know what i mean like it's it's an interesting conversation to have I'm leaning Montgomery because we know what he is. He's just coming off a World Series, and he's got a little bit more longevity in terms of, you know, Blake Snell, you know, has had trouble going past five, six innings in the past, but he's a very, very good player, obviously. Um, where would you lean in that? Where, where would you say, I think Montgomery is probably a bit cheaper, but his upside is there, and he's a good three. He's a good number three. If Rodon bounces back, you can rely on Montgomery to be a very, very important arm for you. Yeah, the big thing here that, you know, if you're, if you're you know, if you're Scott Boris and you're sitting at the negotiating table with teams, you're, you're pointing at the injuries that pitchers have had across the board, and then you're pointing at the fact that Jordan Montgomery finished with the second most regular plus postseason innings pitch last season, saying, this is a guy who's going to take the mound every fifth day, and he's going to show up, and he's going to pitch, right? And that's something that you cannot, I know you can't technically guarantee it for Monty either. Anybody is susceptible to UCL injuries, but what you can say is that the bill of health for Montgomery is unbelievably clean. Like, compare that to Blake Snell, which is, you know, the guy you mentioned just now. Uh, that His bill of health is not as clean as Montgomery's, and, you know, despite the fact that Blake Snell has a Cy Young over this time span and Jordan Montgomery does not, Jordan Montgomery has the 17th most, most uh, war amongst all pitchers in baseball over that time span since 2021, and that's more than Blake Snell, right? Like, he's been able to just go out there and throw and pitch and just stay on the mound. That's huge, right? Like, those type of those type of skills are something that people overlook oftentimes, uh, and I think it's valuable. 3-4-8 ERA as well. You know, if you're, if you're talking about getting a guy who can give you, you know, a 3-3 three, three to 3-4 three, ERA, uh, you know, or three, let's say th- even 3-4 three, to 3-5, three, but make, you know, 30-plus starts a season and give you 108 innings in the regular season or 190 or even 200 and then push you even further in the playoffs, that's certainly going to help, right? And, and Montgomery's kind of proven himself as, hey, this guy can be a frontline starter. I would consider him an ace. I think, as you mentioned, more of a two or a three. Like, ideally, he's the Yankees three. You don't want, like, it, in an ideal world, Jordan Montgomery would be the number three on the New York Yankees or maybe, you know, a, a, a co-number two with, with Carlos Rodon since co-favorites are throwing co and everything now. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I just the, the price tag is expected to be around 160 million dollars. I'm not paying another 30 year old starting pitcher 160 million dollars when Yoshinobu Yamamoto's out there, right? Like right now Yamamoto's out there. Maybe that changes. Maybe the Yankees don't have him out there anymore. But I feel like at that point you kind of start to pivot a little bit instead of just going through free agency. Though I do think Montgomery's at least worth exploring. You have to do due diligence. You have to have interest. You have to show you know some willingness to at least you know at least sit at the table and have a conversation, right? Like, you know, if you don't make an offer at all and it comes out that he signs for like $140 million, it's like, all right, maybe you have some egg on your face, right? Um, but, you know, the guy that I think could kind of blend both, all right, you don't want to overcommit financially if you're not signing Yamamoto, but you don't want to break the bank in terms of your prospects either. You kind of want that blend. I think Shane Bieber might work. Shane Bieber is kind of an interesting pitcher because the everything red flag wise is there for a guy like me to say you should not sign this guy or you shouldn't trade for this guy his strikeout rate has decreased every single year since 2020 so that is what four three or four straight seasons where your strikeout rate goes down 
that's not good, right? And that ERA minus has only climbed. He's only gotten worse at preventing runs. He's only gotten worse at getting swings and misses. But what I would counter that with is if you look at his pitch usage, a lot of it would indicate that he's making tweaks that he just shouldn't be making, right? Like his, his breaking ball usage from his 2022 season where he had a 4.8 F4, where he finished 7th in Cy Young voting, where he had, you know, a, a 2.93 ERA and a 2.88 FIP, was an excellent pitcher, and shut down the Yankees in a playoff start, you know, that year, he was 47% breaking balls. This past season, he decreased that number by 10% for some odd reason. The Guardians have been kind of anti-swing and miss. I don't know if that's like an agenda of theirs. I don't know if they're trying actively to get their pitchers to get less swings and misses, but they have not gotten strikeouts over the last three years. And Bieber might be a guy who comes over the Yankees and is encouraged to use his breaking balls more. And that's not me just hypothesizing here. In fact, if you look at an interview done by Shane Bieber back in 2019 when he broke out, he finished, I believe, fourth in AL Cy Young voting, uh, won the All-Star Game MVP, all that stuff. He credited Matt Blake for his increased usage of his curveball. So maybe this is a reunion where it's like, you know what? You're back with Matt Blake. You're back with the guy that, you know, you would consider... You know, that he, he credited with his breakout in 2019, and then you would assume that that's credited for the re requisite AL Cy Young in 2022, uh, 2020. Matt Blake and Shane Bieber might just be a, a reunion that needs to happen, right? That might be something that gets Bieber to emphasize more breaking balls, to get more swings and misses. And even if you get that 2022 version of Shane Bieber, which decreased velocity from his Cy Young years, uh, definitely a little bit concerning. He still was one of the what? 15, 10 best pitchers in baseball. He's currently working at driveline. I think that's huge for him building his velocity back. You know, I kind of did uh, a little bit of research on kind of how that pitch, uh, how his pitch movement would be affected if he gained some more velocity. If you look at his uh, Bauer units, which unfor an unfortunate name for such a metric, but uh, you know, it takes your spin rate and it divides it by velocity. Essentially what it's doing is it's accounting how much velocity plays into your movement. Um, and his Bauer units have not changed since his sticky stuff. It's, it's a purely a velocity thing. And then for the swings and misses, it's purely a breaking ball thing. Two things I think the Yankees can unlock a little bit more in him. And I don't think he's going to cost much, right? Like one year of Shane Bieber, it's not going to cost as much as Corbin Burns. We don't even, I don't know if you're even talking about trading an Everson Pereira. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like this could make some sense for both parties. What do you think, Alex? Look, I mean, Shane Bieber's a good, like you said, the strikeouts have been down. It, it could be Cleveland tweaking things. We've seen many pitchers go from team to team and have good results. I mean, you know, the, the perfect examples are Clay Holmes and Ian Hamilton. You know, Clay Holmes is obviously not very good with Pittsburgh. Ian Hamilton was really a journeyman before. Um, I think he spent some years at Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. And then he comes over to the Yankees, and they turn things around because they they have a specific mindset or really a strategy in mind with the specific pitches they want to use. Um, maybe they can get Shane Bieber back on the horse you know the truth is is that he's 28 years old like there is no reason that we should be looking at Shane Bieber and saying he can't bounce back and have a tremendous 2024 season there's no reason that we should be saying that um you know he's obviously one year removed from a 200 inning performance in 2022 pitched 128 last year saw some uh degradation you know at the end of the day could just could have just been injury related you know what I mean it could have just been he wasn't feeling right last year and he comes back they trade for him he's 100 healthy ready to go the Yankees don't have to he doesn't have all this pressure on him because you have Cole and Rodon, but it's a big gamble. You know what I mean? The gamble here is that you're hoping he bounces back. You're hoping Rodon bounces back. You're hoping Nestor Cortez bounces back. You're hoping Clark Schmidt gets better. It's a huge gamble. There's a, there's a lot less 
guarantees. Um, like, you know Yamamoto is going to be healthy, knock on wood. You know that Yamamoto is going to be consistent in a lot of ways. You know his pitch mix is elite. You know he's consistent. You know they can make him better. Shane Bieber, like, you just don't know because he's going to be getting worse in some categories for a long time now. So there are concerns in terms of, you know, if he can turn it around. But he's 28 years old, as I referenced, and, you know, maybe it is a worthwhile alternative gamble uh, to a Montgomery and obviously Corbin Burns being more so unrealistic. But Montgomery is just money. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think Shane Bieber costs? Uh, I think that's kind of like where where we have to draw the line. Is like, is he going to cost you a, a couple of really good prospects? Um, are you willing to trade, like you just said, like Everson Pereira? Is that someone that you would headline the trade with? Um, or you know, how much worse or better is Montgomery going to be? And how long is he going? How many years? Like four, maybe five years, and then out after the fourth season. Obviously, uh, you know that would mean he's thirty five years old. They can opt that after the thirty four year old season. I think that makes sense. Um, but do you think that a, a deal for Bieber would be like lofty? Do you think it would be too much to give up? Yeah. So uh, Shane Bieber, it's interesting, right? Like, what are the Guardians asking for? And you know, th- I will say one thing. On paper, the Guardians and the Yankees match up well. Kind of reference to uh, you know what I talked about. The Brewers were like Peraza and Pereira match up really well for what the Brewers could need. In the same sense, that matches up pretty well with what the Cleveland Guardians could use. But the issue is. Are you trading six years of Everson Pereira for one year of Shane Bieber coming off of a year where he was very average and only had 128 innings, right? Like, you know, if you're Brian Cashman at the negotiating table, why are you going to pay, you know, ace prices for a guy who hasn't been an ace in the last calendar year? I understand, and I'm kind of playing devil's advocate to my own argument here, but, you know, my my point more so is I think Shane Bieber can be had at a below ace uh, asking point, and you can get close to ace production out of him, or you can get, you know something resembling a really good number two starter, which if you've kind of thought about the Garrett Cole era, they haven't had that like, okay, this guy's the number two, this guy goes out there, there's no injury concerns, he makes all star- He makes his starts on in April, he makes his starts all the way through September, all the way through October, like Cortez was kind of the closest thing they had to that, and then he broke down towards the end, right? Rodon was supposed to be that, and then injuries kind of took him out of that. Um, you know, Severino was expected to be that, you know, at various points during Cole's tenure. Injuries ate that up, right? Tanaka only had one year with Garrett Cole. James Paxton only had one year with Garrett Cole, and he was injured that year. So they just haven't had that number two guy. And I think Shane Bieber t- certainly has potential. But if you're looking at a potential deal here, I wonder if the Yankees would try to do something where they maybe flip Pereira, but they get Bieber and maybe like a controllable reliever. They have, I know, I know Cleveland definitely has a lot of con- cost controlled arms that perhaps the Yankees could be enticed by. You know, maybe they're enticed by a guy like a Sam Hengens, who has, you know, he's a left handed pitcher. He has six stuff. And, you know, the Yankees could use another lefty in their bullpen. And we kind of understand the situation with Clay Holmes and Jonathan Lewiska and Tommy Canley, where they're all hitting for agency next year at the same time. And realistically, Alex, they're not signing three relievers to. What will be, maybe not in Canley's case, maybe not Loisga's case because of injuries and age, but at least in Clay Holmes' case, some serious cash. That dude's going to make $10-plus million a year for about three to four years at the very least. So, you know, personally, I do think the Yankees might be interested in getting controllable guys where they can kind of just say, all right, we're going to keep Holmes, Loisga, and Canley, but we're kind of prepared for them to leave if that ends up happening. So, you know, maybe that could be an avenue they explore, but you certainly don't want to overpay for a pitcher who, let's be real here, is kind of damaged goods. Shane Bieber is damaged goods. I'm not like not aware of that fact. I just believe that we are just one year removed from a really, really, really good season. And the things he's doing in the offseason by going to driveline and the organization he would be going to with the Yankees, having Matt Blake, would be just a really good fit for him. 
I know other teams are involved. The Reds, the Cubs, they seem more interested than the Yankees at least have been. I know Michael Marino came on here last week and said the Yankees haven't really been involved in the rental market. That could kind of be attached to the fact that they're really into Yamamoto and they haven't really explored other options. I know Jack Curry even said on Yes Network, he was kind of cringing at the idea of talking about pivot options because he's like, they want this guy, right? And in a sense, I feel like you and I kind of have that same feel of like, we're kind of sitting here cringing at the idea of like, should the Yankees go here? Should the Yankees go there? Because we think it's Yamamoto or bust, right? Like the expectation is the Yankees should get Yamamoto. We know that that's the best fit. Age-wise, it's only going to cost you money. The Yankees print money. Yamamoto's going to print money. And as you mentioned, Yamamoto, we box office here. So, you know, everything I've said about Bieber, Burns, uh, Montgomery, in terms of praise or criticism, all that comes with a massive asterisk of, but they should be getting Yamamoto. That's what they should do. We shouldn't have this conversation next week. That's the ideal situation is that on December 21st, 2023, we're talking about where Yamamoto slots into the Yankee rotation. We're not talking about Shane Bieber. We're not talking about Jordan Montgomery. We're not talking about Corbin Burns. But in that case, these three guys certainly have their fits here and there. Yeah, I mean, look, right now we're talking about this because we ought to be prepared mentally for not getting him. But the truth is, is the Yankees need to get him. And look, Jack Curry said they desperately want him. They desperately want him, and they feel good about their meeting. They got to continue pressing because the look. The reason they haven't been connected to a lot of these other arms is because they are so confident and so invested in their time and, and energy in getting Yoshinobu Yamamoto. If that falls apart, the alternatives will see the Yankees dive in head first, and then the rumors will start flowing, and we'll start to hear them connected to all of these guys. Um, and obviously, those are the primary ones. Montgomery and Shane Bieber seem to be the most prevalent of the two that could be connected, especially because Bieber and Matt Blake have been connected in the past and have worked together. So, you know, there, there's a lot of movement here on the Yamamoto side. Co-favorites, Dodgers, Yankees. Nobody really knows, though. I think that's more of an assumption. I know, like, there's, like, sources are... But everyone's saying, and I, I know Andy Martino wrote something yesterday, said, it's really murky. Like, nobody really knows what Yamamoto is thinking. Nobody knows who he likes. It's just sources saying, oh, like, we had a good meeting. Oh, like, oh, we brought the stars out. But that doesn't say anything about how Yamamoto actually feels about those teams. It's just they made a big play for him. They made a big presentation. We assume that convinced him. We assume that helped their cause. But end of the day, you don't really know. Um, so we'll see what happens. The Yankees do have a lot of history um, you know, with, with really successful international players, most recently Tanaka, and then obviously Hideki Matsui, who is um, notably an advisor for the team and the organization. And that certainly bodes well for the Yankees' chances because he can help them um, in a lot of ways. But right now, I'm still confident, man. Like I still, I'm still like 65-70% Yankees are leading the race here, but that could change quickly. The Dodgers are scary. I'm not really concerned about the Mets personally. That's not really my my biggest fear. But I am nervous about the Dodgers, and I do think that this is it, it, it's it's legitimately close. But I also think that Yamamoto certainly isn't decided yet, and I think that. What it's really going to come down to is thinking to himself, all right, I can get the same amount of money from these teams. Like, is it really – it's no longer about money, right? Because I think, like, the Yankees want them, the Dodgers want them, the Mets want them. They all are going to give very competitive offers for Yamamoto. Um, it's no longer about the money. It's about where I can build my brand, where I can have success, and where my long-term future grows. We know the Yankees have a tremendous pitching coach in Matt Blake. We know that the Yankees have an international brand. We know they have that stardom. We know there's no other Japanese players there. He would be the guy. We've heard before, Japanese players don't necessarily like playing alongside other Japanese players sometimes. It's not all the time. 
But in this case, you have you have Kodai Senga, obviously, um, you know Otani, and then you have, of course, nobody on the Yankees. He would be the guy, the international pro, the international player, the man, and with the future of being their ace down the road. So, that being said, you know I I mean we're we're biased, of course, but my logic is telling me that is the right way to look at it and perceive these things. Um, but at the end of the day, we just don't know for now. So once we get more updates, we'll update you guys as always, my friends, make sure to like, and subscribe. Let us know your thoughts down below in the YouTube comment section. And we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.